Welcome to episode 156 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, we're doing a Q&A episode where I answer your questions from Instagram. Some really fantastic questions today. We talk about perimenopause PMS and how to manage junk food cravings during that wild time. We talk about fat loss workouts. Are they different from workouts when you're not losing fat? Should you be doing circuit style training when you're trying to lose fat? What exactly should you be doing for fat loss workouts? Uh, We also talk about protein. We talk about my trip to Alaska. We talk about strength training splits. What is a good workout? Is a a workout where you work out for an hour, four days a week, is that a good workout? Are you going to get results from that? What does that even mean? That was the question and that's what we talk about. Let's do it. Well, hello, my friend. It has been a minute, hasn't it? I welcomed all the women into the current round of Fitter After 40, and so I didn't record it the very end of August, beginning of September because of that. That was taking a lot of my time and attention, and then I left right away to go on this amazing trip to Alaska, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that um, a little later on in the podcast. I'm going to answer someone's question about Alaska, and when I got back from Alaska, you know how it is when you've traveled, just lots going on, and so here we are a couple weeks later. And I'm ready to get back to weekly uploads for you of the Fitness Simplified podcast. Starting it out this week with a Q&A session, took your questions from Instagram. And so let's hit it. I think I have five really good questions I'm going to try and tackle today. Yeah, five good questions. We're going to talk about lots of different things on your mind. So let's start with this one. This one's from Kaya C1. I think it's Kaya C. Maybe it's Casey. It's Casey. I bet it's Casey. Casey one, Casey says, if your goal is fat loss, would it be more efficient to do strength training circuit style than having separate cardio and weight days? I love strength training, but I need to get off at least 20 pounds of fat. Okay. So the question that you're asking here is assuming that the um, way to lose fat is through your exercise. And in fact, that is not the case. Where you're going to want to put your efforts as far as losing fat is going to be with your nutrition. Building your calorie deficit, creating a calorie deficit is largely the job of nutrition. And I know that surprises a lot of people because you think a lot about, okay, in my mind, I think I want to lose weight. I'm going to go for a run. I need to lose weight. I need to go get on the elliptical. Like I need to burn calories. And in reality, that's a very teeny tool to use. It's not the most efficient tool to use to lose weight. The most efficient tool is to create that deficit by what, how, not what, but how much you're eating, which is impacted by what you're eating. Total calories taken in is what you want to focus on there. So that's the main chunk. What are you doing with your nutrition? Now, complementing that, we have your training. The goal of strength training, as far as fat loss, is not to burn calories. 
Okay, that's a really important point because I could see where you are coming from here. If in your mind, the goal is to burn calories, wouldn't that work better if I'm like doing cardio, right? I'm doing, I'm doing this circuit style. I'm moving from one exercise to the next. I'm going fast. I'm keeping my heart rate up, that kind of thing. You might be like, I know I can burn more calories doing that. But the point of strength training when it comes to weight loss is not to burn calories. It's not. The point then, you're feeling like, oh, what the heck's the point? Here's the point. The point is you want to spare your muscle and even build some more muscle. When you're in a deficit, your muscle can be in a very vulnerable posi position. You don't want your body to burn your muscle. You want it to burn what? Your fat, right? Nobody wants just weight loss. If you were after weight loss, you could like chop off your foot, chop off your arm, right? That's not what we're looking for. We want to get rid of body fats. We're talking about fat loss. Not that you have to mince words there. You can say weight loss, but when you're thinking about it, think about the fact that what you're trying to do is burn fat. You don't want to burn your muscle. Perhaps you've had the experience of going on a diet where you lose a good bit of weight through either nutrition only, just that deficit piece, or nutrition combined with cardio. And if you've ever done that, and I had done it several times in my 30s before I was introduced to strength training, okay, so I either just did nutrition or I'd do some combination of nutrition and cardio, and I would lose weight, like I'd lose a bunch, and I would look in the mirror and be disappointed and confused and think like, this is not, this is not the picture I had in my mind. I'm smaller, for sure I am. I'm fitting in smaller size clothes. I see the scale is down. Why don't I have any like shape to my arms or my butt or my legs? Like where is it? And where it is, is on the other side of building muscle. That's where it is. You, you don't want to lose muscle while you're in a deficit. You don't want to lose muscle anytime, but being in a deficit can put you at greater risk for losing muscle. And so we want to prevent that muscle loss and in fact, help you build more muscle. And that is what's going to give you that nice shape after you lose the fat. No, you don't want to stagger this necessarily by saying like, okay, first I'll lose the weight with the cardio and um, the deficit. And then later I'll bring in strength training. It's a really short-sighted way to look at it because in the process you're losing muscle and there's no need to do that. You can add the strength training right on top of doing the deficit. So that's what I want you to keep in mind. The purpose of the strength training is to preserve your muscle and build more muscle. So as you lose the fat, you have muscle to reveal. Not only is it good looking, it's also really health protective. If you want to be a person who has a long life that where you're independent, where you can get off the toilet by yourself, where you can get onto the ground and pick something up and stand back up, you need to spare your muscle. Okay. So then that is why I would not suggest doing that circuit style instead of doing dedicated strength training. Strength training where you would do a set, take it close to failure. Um, you know, you want to have it to the point where at the end of every set that the reps are hard, that you couldn't do more than one, two, definitely not more than three reps more for that set. You want to then take a dedicated break, a rest time, which is going to enable you on your next set to push hard again. So when we're talking about bringing intensity to our strength training, we're not talking about 
burning calories, getting your heart rate up, sweating, feeling like you're like getting the floors being mopped with you. It's not that when we're talking about intensity with strength training, we're talking about lifting heavy for you. It's going to be relative to you. And that is going to be the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to the strength training. That is how you can use strength training as a tool to get the look and the health that you are after. I hope that helps, Casey. Okay. Second question. This is from Tartan Last 70. She says, protein powders, yes or no? So Tartan Last 70, what I would say is if you are not able to get your protein in with food alone, then absolutely a protein powder is a great way to go. Fantastic way to go. And I would say more of the women that I work with than not do choose to use a protein powder to help them reach their protein target. Protein is the other piece of that sparing your muscle part that we were just talking about with strength training. It really is a tandem job. It is strength training combined with getting enough protein. Those two together, that's the dream team for preserving and building muscle. So we need you to have enough protein in your diet, particularly in a calorie deficit. So to do that for a lot of women, they struggle to do that, especially in the beginning with just straight up food. Now, protein powder isn't on a kind of like, it's not like a steroid guys. It's not like some kind of magic supplement. It is literally protein just like protein in a chicken breast or protein in shrimp or in yogurt, it's protein, it's amino acids. That's what protein powder is. And so it is just another way for a lot of people, a really efficient way to get a nice boost of protein in. So for sure, if you're not able to get your protein in, a good number to shoot for when you're in a deficit is your goal body weight in pounds, in pounds. So you'll have to do a, a translation. If you do your weight in kilograms, translate that to pounds and then take your goal body weight in pounds, multiply it by 0.7 and by one. So it's the number itself. And that is a good range of protein. Start shooting for that bottom end, that 0.7 times your goal body weight. Okay. That'll be a great starting point for you. And if even that number feels like a lot, let's say that number is, you know, 140, 135, whatever that is, however high it is, if that feels like too much, a really great first step is to get to 100 grams per day. Okay. Get to 100 grams per day. And even doing that for some people in the beginning requires a protein powder. So choose a protein powder that you like the flavor that fits your budget and have some every day. If that is going to help you, it is not required. I personally went through years where I didn't drink any protein powders. I just, I didn't enjoy the flavor. It was not a good experience for me. I would rather get my protein in with other types of food. I've been at a good long stretch now. I want to say it's been, I want to say it's been a couple of years that I've been having one um, pre-made premier protein shake. I use their chocolate. You've probably seen me do this. If you follow me on Instagram, I use the chocolate. I put it in a mug, 
pop it in the microwave for a minute and 30 seconds and make myself a cup of protein hot chocolate. And I do it every morning. It's a rare morning that I don't do it. It's 30 grams of protein, 160 calories, and I enjoy it. And for me, that was the missing piece. Most protein powders, I just plain didn't enjoy the flavor and preferred getting my protein in in other ways. So if that's you, if you're like, I get plenty of protein from you know, all of the, the food that I eat, then no worries. You don't need a protein powder. And I would also say to beware of the marketing around them. Sometimes they're a little bit crazy. They'll say like, I can't even think of one of the promises I've seen. I had one that I, I had a jar of protein powder that I saw somewhere and I took a picture of it and posted it on Instagram a couple of years back because it had some wild claim on the front that it was going to like do all of these amazing things for you. And I was just like, imagine if you took that wild claim and slapped it on a pack of chicken breast, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like nobody's going to put on this chicken breast, like it's going to build amazing amounts of muscle really, really fast. It's just not true. And I think of it the same way. So when you see the marketing around these um, protein powders, powders, just ignore it. Also ignore the fact that some people are going to try and sell you on a protein powder for women. There's no such thing. Just like there's not a special chicken breast for women or a special type of shrimp for women. It's the same thing. They're just going to dress it up in a, a pink bottle and slap some more money on there for you and call it a women's protein powder. No such thing. You don't need any special type of protein powder, just any type of protein powder that has a full, um, you want a complete protein, full amino acid profile, fits your budget. You enjoy the flavor add that in daily as needed. Okay, hope that helps Tartan last 70. Next question. This one is from Flenikin01. She says, I'm in perimenopause and PMS is as bad as ever. How do I handle the junk food cravings? This is so common, a really common question I get and I understand that's a really tough one to deal with. So I have a couple of suggestions for you, things for you to try out and see what works best for you. I will say you have a really good um, kind of first checkbox done here, which is realizing the connection of when you're having your cravings and PMS. Because sometimes people don't, don't quite take that step yet. They just know that like, I crave, I crave junk food a lot. I crave it a lot. So really pinpointing when in your life are you more likely to do that? Is it when you're tired? Is it when you have PMS, right? So looking for those type of patterns because then you can use that information to create a plan that's going to help you not overeat the junk food. Nothing wrong with having a little bit of junk food, but we wanna help you to not overeat it and eat in line with your goals. So that's the first part is being aware of the fact that this often comes around, around with your PMS. So the next part would be really getting this on a calendar so that you can anticipate that. Now, I will say in perimenopause, this can be incredibly challenging because a lot of us, our cycles are wild. There's, you know, they're not on that nice, neat 27, 28 day cycle anymore, right? Sometimes it's like, I didn't have one at all last month and now I had two in the past couple of weeks. So it's not always possible, but keeping a period tracker, a period diary in some way so that you can see and as much as possible anticipating it can really help because knowing in your brain, ah, this is PMS. We've all been there, right? Where we've, you know, maybe you're like, excuse me, I'm yawning. Maybe you're like biting everybody's heads off. You think everyone's a jerk. You're like really feeling emotional. And then your period comes and you're like, 
oh, right. <laughs> that was a lot of me happening right there. And then it just kind of all feels better. Things don't feel as heavy when you realize what that was. And so really getting ahead of that as much as possible and anticipating the fact that you're likely to crave junk food can help a lot. So that's point two. Point three to consider. If you are in a calorie deficit, okay, let's say you're in a calorie deficit during your PMS period, what can often help to help you end up eating fewer calories that week is actually to increase your calories out of your deficit up to your maintenance level for those days that week, that part of the week where you're having PMS. Having more calories to work with can help make sure that you're not overeating them and going into a surplus, which would cause weight gain. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with weight gain, but if you're trying to lose weight, there's definitely something wrong with it because it's the opposite of what you're trying to do. So consider having some part of the month, the part when you're having PMS, be a time when you bring your calories to maintenance out of your deficit. And if you're thinking like, well, hey, wait, isn't that going to slow my weight loss down? Possibly, or it could speed it up. Because if you know that you're giving into junk food cravings, you're actually eating less, not more. Because you weren't staying in your deficit anyway. If you're overeating junk food, you're eating more calories. So what if we moderate that by bringing you up to maintenance? Remember, there's not just two spaces. It's not just I'm in a deficit and I'm losing weight or I'm in a surplus and I'm gaining weight. And often women think they, they ping pong back and forth between the two of those, missing completely the space in the middle, which is weight maintenance. This is where you're not gaining or losing weight. You're maintaining your weight. And that can be a good spot to be for some people during PMS. I just keep yawning now. Oh, excuse me. Okay. And then one last point here is to help set yourself. Actually, I'm going to give you two more points. The next point I'm going to give you is to help set yourself up for success. When you notice you're having these cravings, having those foods that you crave readily available is not going to be useful for you doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you more advanced if you can sit there with the things you crave right on the counter in front of you and not eat them. Okay. That just makes it harder for you. So either don't bring them in the house at this time of month or put them in a hard to reach out of the way, out of sight, out of mind spot. So up high in another room, in a cupboard, somewhere you can't see them. They're not going to be every time you open the pantry right in your sight. Uh, your line of vision. So really set up your environment for success. Try and get some extra sleep during this time. That can really help. And another thing that might help is increasing the amount of your calories that's coming from dietary fat at this time. That can help. It can help with reducing cravings and it can help with reducing that kind of like bottomless pit kind of feeling that can come along when you're having PMS. I know PMS in perimenopause can be absolutely terrible. And so let's Let's help you set yourself up for success as much as possible. Okay, hope that helped Flanagan 01. Next question. This question is from Calatexi. She says, I strength train four days per week for about an hour. Can I see results? Well, Calatexi, the question I'm going to ask you is, what does results mean for you? What kind of results are you looking for? 
And so that's question number one, because I want you to refer back to what I had said um, in the very first question I answered in this Q&A, the one from Casey one, where she was talking about her goal was to lose fat and was talking about what type of training she should be doing for it. Nutrition is really going to be the driver of fat loss. Okay. So if the results are looking for fat loss, you've got to get your nutrition. Excuse me with the yawning. Oh my goodness. Got to stop that. So you really want to focus on your nutrition when it comes to weight loss and strength training can be a big help along the way for preserving your muscle, helping you get the shape that you desire, but you really have to dial in your nutrition. The next thing I would have you think about when you're strength training, it's never just about the time. I mean, somebody could tell me like, I strength train 27 hours a day, right? It doesn't make any sense, but let's just say they said it. It's not about the time. It's not about whether you train for an hour or 40 minutes or 52.5 minutes or two hours per day. What really counts is what you are doing with that time. How intense are you taking your workouts? As in, are you lifting heavy enough relative to you? What type of exercises are you doing, right? So if you're sitting there doing, um, you know, um, donkey kicks for an hour, that's not necessarily going to be effective. It's not about the time. It's about what you're doing and the intensity with which you are doing it. So you need to have a sensible training plan that has progression written into it, as in you work on getting stronger over time and you're doing lifts that include things like squats, deadlifts, lunges, upper body pushes, upper body pulls, and some core. Now, if you're like, yeah, doing all those things, four days a week is an excellent amount of time to strength train. Um, the two most common training splits that my members use are three day per week or four day per week. Three day per week is lower body, upper body, full body, most of the time. And then the four days per week is two lower body days, two upper body days. So it's lower body, upper body, lower body, upper body. So that is a great setup training four times per week, about an hour feels really reasonable. That feels like a really reasonable amount of time. Not everybody has an hour. There's no reason it has to be an hour. Uh, a lot of my members get their workout in, in 40 minutes, 40 minutes to an hour is a really reasonable amount of time, four days per week. It sounds amazing, but really what's going to matter for you to get results is what you're doing during that hour, the intensity with which you're bringing to that training, and then what are you doing with your nutrition, depending on what your goal is. I hope that helps, Calitexi. All right, last question here. This is from GML222. And she wanted to know if I would be doing a podcast about my Alaska trip. She really enjoyed my Grand Canyon trip. Actually, today is the one-year anniversary of my Grand Canyon trip. This time last year, I was in the Grand Canyon, deep in that hole, going rim to rim. What an adventure that one was. Now, I did dedicate a whole episode to that because that was quite a physical feat. There was a lot of training and preparation involved. I mean, I, I hiked all summer getting ready for that, um, you know, practiced, you know, going, doing elevation, going for longer distances. How do I pack my pack? All of these things that I wanted to share with you. How did we plan our route? 
Um, all of those things I thought could be really useful for people who wanted to do a trip like that. And so absolutely, I dedicated a whole episode to that. This Alaska trip was very, very different from that. It was not um, that kind of a physical feat. We were on a cruise and it was delightful. I love a good cruise. I think it's a wonderful way to travel, but I absolutely can tell you some about it. I've had a lot of people reach out to say like, wow, like the things you were seeing and doing, I want to see and do those things. How did you do it? So we went on a Norwegian cruise. I, I've used the Norwegian cruise line quite a bit. I enjoy them. Um, they have plenty of itineraries and they had great, great um, itineraries in Alaska. So we were on a Norwegian trip. Ours was a seven day trip. I know people who've done shorter ones, like four or five days, and they don't necessarily take you to the really cool places. Um, you wanna be able to go see glaciers. You wanna be able to go see whales. Uh, at least I do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to do those things. I think if you're in Alaska, seeing glaciers and seeing whales is a must. Those are the highlights of the trip for me. Um, the places we did those two things, and there's a lot of places to go in Alaska. I've not been to nearly just the tip of the iceberg here. Uh, iceberg. <laughs> I didn't even mean that little pun there. But we did see icebergs. <laughs> um, so the places that I really enjoyed the most when I was there, we went to Juneau. In Juneau, we took a tour. Um, we went out and we canoed to the Mendenhall Glacier. It was spectacular. Now you really have to time your Alaska trips well so that you're not freezing cold. Um, going in the summer is a really great idea. We went very, very early September and we still had good weather. Um, as September wears on, it gets colder, significantly colder each week. Um, so don't wait too far into September. I feel like we went just at the tail end of a good time. I feel like if we had gone a little bit sooner, it might have been, look, I'm not a person who loves cold and I wasn't terribly cold. Um, it's not like I was wearing a parka the whole time or anything, but I wish it had been just a teeny bit warmer. Um, but that's when we went, uh, was the very first week of September. So I think it was September, September 2nd, I left to go there, September 3rd, something like that. Um, okay, so the first stop we made that I just adored was Juneau. In Juneau is where we went to this Mendenhall Glacier. We canoed across this lake and got really close to the glacier. While we were there, there were other people seeing the glacier in other ways. There were people who went on helicopter tours. There were people who did a hike. And then you're seeing it from pretty, when you do, if you do the hike from the visitor center, um, I wish I had gotten to do that as well. I do like a good hike. You hike from the visitor center and you end up by Nugget Falls, which is this really pretty waterfall. And then you can see the glacier, but it's still pretty far away from there. We actually canoed right up as close as you're allowed to go. As close as you're allowed to go to that, that glacier, we went and it was beautiful. It is amazing. I can't even describe to you. If you've seen my pictures, they're not doing it justice. It's just, the terrain is just so incredible, just so rugged. I learned a lot about what a glacier is. I don't need to give you a science lesson here, but I didn't understand what a glacier exactly was, why parts of it are so gorgeously blue, why some are this really dark blue. And so we learned all about those things. And there's just something to be said for being out somewhere that feels so wild. Now I will tell you, the glacier is actually not that far from uh, the uh, Juno version of suburbia, where I was just like, there was like a little town right back there. And now I'm out here uh, on this lake. But when you get to the lake, it really feels like you're out in the middle of nowhere. It is so peaceful. It is gorgeous. There's just, even if there, even if I didn't see any wildlife in Alaska, the 
um, terrain, just the, um, the wilderness there is just gorgeous. So highly recommend doing some kind of water tour going up to see the Mendenhall Glacier. It was fantastic, it was fantastic. The one we did was about five miles um, and we did get out, we didn't get out at the glacier. We go over to the glacier, we looked at the glacier and then we canoed. We were in one of those really, really big canoes where it's like 20 people in it. So we were all paddling together. Um, not like a little couple person canoe. And then we canoed over to Nugget Falls and got out and walked around by the falls and took pictures and, and those kind of things there. It was a fantastic, fantastic day. Then the other part that was just such a highlight for me was in a place called Icy, I always get it wrong, Icy Straight Point, Icy Point Straight, Icy Point Straight, um, which is by the town of Huna. Um, which is a town um, where a lot of indigenous people live. And they started this icy point straight kind of tourist destination as a way of making money for their, the people who live in their town. And so they came up with all kinds of tours to take people on. And the one that I went on just, I really think I got the cream of the crop here because it's where we saw just amazing wildlife, just I have, I, this was the highlight for me. I loved Mendenhall Glacier, but seeing the whales and seeing the bear and the eagles was just like mind blowing to me. So we went on a tour that was whales and bears. The first couple of hours, it was two, a little over two hours. We went on a whaling boat and went out to sightsee and see what we could see in the way of whales and um, other sea life. And wow, did, did we ever see some. Um, now on this particular tour, they did guarantee us that we, we, you will see whales or we'll give you your money back. So we knew we would see something, or at least we pretty much thought we would. We dozen, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of humpback whales. We were pretty close to them. Um, we learned to be able to spot them. We could see their spouts coming up in the distance. And then after their little spout would go, you would know that you would see their hump come up and go back down. And if you didn't see their tail at that point, you knew you would wait about 30 seconds to one minute, and then they would surface again. You'd see the spout again. You'd see the hump again. And then that amazing tail would go up in the air and just glide right back under the water. And we just saw this over and over again, just like pods of humpback whales. Really incredible to see. And sometimes it looked like they were like doing synchronized swimming, <laughs> like the way they were just in sync with each other and the tails would come up at the same time and glide back under. It was beautiful. We also got to see orcas, which apparently are not really whales. They're more along the lines of dolphins. Um, and they were just frolicking, just diving, diving, diving. It was really fun to see them. And those aren't as common. It's not like every tour that goes out sees orcas. Our guide said that maybe he'll see them once a week. And we just got lucky and got to see them um, frolicking really close to our boat. Also saw, we saw sea lions. We saw otters laying in a circle, holding hands, like linking arms. Oh my gosh, that was adorable. So just being out there watching those whales, it, to me, I would do that again in a heartbeat, a heartbeat. I, I can't wait to be able to go see that again. It was breathtaking to be able to see that. Now we did later on in our cruise, get to see whales from just the balconies of the boat. Uh, and that was really neat. There were a lot of them. The very last day, our last full day at sea, 
uh, we saw them, which was great because uh, some of the other people we were with did not go on the whale and bear tour with us and had not seen any wildlife yet until the day before we left, uh, except for they, they saw our footage <laughs> that we, the pictures we took, the video we took. And so they were really excited to get to see them live from our balconies. And it was really neat because you could hear people all up and down the cruise ship, just ooing and eyeing because they were watching just dozens and dozens of whales uh, from their balconies. So that was really neat to see as well. But not always guaranteed that you're going to see whales just from your boat if you do choose to go on a cruise. Then after we did that part, we got off the whaling boat and we got um, on a bus and took this bus. It was a really small bus, not like a giant bus, just a really small bus. And about 20 of us went out and she, wow, this driver just drove and drove. And I actually, I took a little nap partway through. They were telling us really amazing stories of, of the local town and the local folklore. And I was very interested, but I was also really, really tired. And that we drove long enough that I actually took a little nap for a bit. And we got off in the woods outside on the outskirts of Huna. So we drove through the town of Huna, which is super tiny. Like you see the whole town in a blink of an eye. And then you come out the other side and you just keep driving until you're out in the woods. And um, it's all very controlled. So if you're worried about like, uh, I don't know if I wanna see a bear up close. I don't know if I want that. It was very controlled in that the girl who took us, um, the woman who took us, she was, she was quite young. She was in her early twenties. Um, the woman who took us, she had bear spray on her. She was very well uh, prepared to manage any bears that came. And she had backup in the form of three other people. I believe it was two men and another woman who were out in the woods in various places who had guns uh, just in case. And she did say that they have never, ever had to shoot a bear on this tour. So that was good. I don't want any bears getting shot. So we got off on this tour. And as we were walking, she taught us all about the, the local forest that was around. Come to find out, we were not on solid ground. We were on, and I can't remember the word. They have a special word that it's like, think of like a bog or a marsh. Okay, so it's like really wet ground. There's an, another word to describe that type of land mass in Alaska. Um, but that's what it is essentially. And so we were walking on, what was this like a little wooden boardwalk area over top of this and we saw a hole and she said if you stepped in that hole you might fall down like 75 feet it could just keep going and going it's not solid ground and so the question was asked we're like well how do these bears that we're looking for how are they walking out here they're like a thousand pounds how are they not sinking clearly they're not just walking on this boardwalk though she did say they have learned that the boardwalk is a safe place to walk and she showed us, she said, when we get into the woods deeper, I'm going to show you bear trails. They pass them down from generation to generation so that they know here is a place you can walk. And that's how they learn where they can go. It's literally passed on from their parents. I thought that was fascinating. And sure enough, we got to see some of these trails. You could see right where they would, where they would walk down. We did not see any bears right away, though. The way the tour worked, we were all very quiet, like we were whispering allowed to whisper like this and she would tell us that these stories in a whisper we would be very quiet and we'd go on a bear hunt just like in the book right I love that book when I was a little kid and actually not when I was a kid when my kids were little I loved reading them going on a bear hunt and then the goal was to go to each of three viewing platforms there's just a little rustic platform in the woods that overlooked this very large meadow so we went through the woods we came out 
the other side of the woods, there's the meadow, big viewing platform. All of us stood there very quietly for about 10 minutes looking for a bear. Didn't see a bear. And so then we move on. We go back into the woods and hike over to the next viewing platform. Same meadow, just further down. You can't see one platform to the next. Looking for a bear. 10 more minutes, don't see a bear. But it's beautiful. Even if we hadn't seen a bear, the landscape was just gorgeous. Final viewing platform, another 10 minutes, don't see a bear. At the very end, we're just about ready to leave. She gets a radio call from people who are on platform one and they say, there is a bear really close to you. We can see it. You can't see it. It's right around a corner that's blocking it for you. So stay there. So sure enough, we stood there and waited. And then off in the distance, we saw this giant, and I do mean giant grizzly bear, a big brown bear. And it got so close to us. We were up on this viewing platform, but it wasn't like high in the air, but it was a safe place from which to watch this bear as he played in the river, as he fished in the river, as he just trounced around in the river, he would dig his, just dip his big paw in and grab out the salmon and eat it. And then like flop around in the water, running around playing. I could not believe how close I was to this giant grizzly bear. It was amazing. And while we were watching him, what came out of the sky, but a bald eagle, a bald eagle was on the ground right near him, like on this like stomp or rock. I don't know what it was, but it was sitting there. And so right there, we're watching the bear. We're watching the eagle. Unbelievable wildlife experience. And that, like I said, that was in the town of Icy Point Strait and, um, and or Huna. Highlight, highlight of the trip for me. I would 100% go again if you're interested in seeing Alaska, if you're interested in wildlife, whales, bears, glaciers, absolutely get yourself to Alaska. Definitely worth, a, definitely worth saving up for a trip there. I would love to go back. I would love to spend more time. I think a cruise is a great way to see a lot of stuff. Um, I would love to see more. Oh, I just realized I forgot to say about one other just mind-blowing place. There were three of my favorites. The third favorite place was Glacier Bay National Park. I love going to national parks. I would love to see every national park in the country. I got to get my husband on board with that goal if that's going to be a real goal. <laughs> um, it is so remote. It's the most remote national park. It's And it's big. It's The park itself is the size of Connecticut. That's a big park. And you just see, you see multiple glaciers and you see them in a setting that is just really, like I can't describe it to you in a way that is picturesque. I can't, nothing I say is gonna paint the picture for you for how gorgeous the scenery is, how blue the water is, just the, the majesty when you stand and look all around you. It's, it is breathtaking. Uh, and just knowing how remote you are. So we got to spend the day with the park rangers. They took a little tiny boat um, from the ranger station and came over and got on the cruise ship and spent the day teaching us about what was around and showing us where to look. And it was incredible. So Glacier Bay National Park, definitely another place to visit. Um, if you haven't been there, definitely going there would be a highlight. I would love to go back there and camp there. I would love to go to Glacier Bay National Park and kayak there. I would want, if I do any of these things, I would want to do it with a guide who knew the area. Uh, not not just on my own or with a couple of friends who didn't know what we were really doing. Um, that's the way I'd like to see Alaska next. I would like to see it um, maybe taking a kayaking trip, doing some camping. I don't know if I'll get to do this, but it's it's the dream. That's the dream for me. 
So I hope that was interesting for you, informative for you about what I got to see and do in Alaska. Highly encourage going there. All right, that is the episode for today. Always a pleasure to be here talking with you. I hope this helped. If you have a question for me, as you are, I will take whatever questions you have. If I feel like they're appropriate, I won't answer personal medical questions. I won't work outside my scope. Don't ask me things about like hair, <laughs> nails, those kinds of things. But if we're talking about fitness, we're talking about nutrition, we're talking about weight loss, menopause, I love to take your questions and help you figure out exactly what it is that you need to know to do so that you can reach your goals. So for sure, look for the question boxes I put up on Instagram or just shoot me uh, a question in DMs and I will put it aside for the next time I have a Q&A podcast. All right. Thanks so much for being here. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here. Mm-hmm.